Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. So my guest today is someone special who's here to give a unique perspective and one that I haven't had on the podcast before, and it's my husband, Jeff. So I asked him to come onto the show today to talk about what it's like to live with someone who has IBD and to help shed some light on things that maybe I should have told him in the beginning or what I could have done and maybe still do to help him understand this disease and the roller coaster that comes along with it. So I think this is gonna actually be the very first podcast he's listened to because he's here doing it. <laughs> he's giving me the look right now. But for those of you who don't know, we actually met in February of 2015 and later got married in April of 2018. So although he wasn't with me during my first major flare that happened in 2006 that was truly debilitating for me and made it so I couldn't leave the house at all for months, he has been with me through some smaller flare-ups. He's watched me go off medications, back on medications, and then back off again. And he supported me through all of my wild harebrained ideas and diets, everything from fermenting eight jars of sauerkraut in the kitchen, letting raw milk sit on the countertop for days to ferment and turn into milk kefir, growing my kombucha scobies in the cupboards, to throwing all that out and eating nothing but steak and testing a never-ending list of supplements. He's even traveled with me and an entire ice chest full of food just so I didn't have to eat anything that I didn't prepare. So he diligently seeks out places he knows I'll be able to eat when we go out with friends. And he doesn't get angry with me when I have my mood swings because symptoms crop back up and has just been an incredible rock and support that I couldn't be more grateful to have. So other than being my husband, Jeff is actually a forensic engineer, which he describes as kind of like CSI, but for buildings. And he's also the reason for my continual escalation of wine snobbery <laughs> and probably the most down-to-earth, happy-go-lucky and easygoing person I've ever met with a sense of humor that keeps me laughing every day. So let's go ahead and jump in with all of that. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jeff, and welcome to the show. Well, this is all news to me. I thought I was coming out for a scotch. <laughs> Exactly. We're sitting on the patio right now, so I tricked him into uh, getting him out here. <laughs> it's also the first podcast I've done on the patio and with a glass of wine, so we'll see how this turns out. <laughs> and for the record, I have listened to parts of many of your podcasts. Parts. <laughs> well, I get distracted easily. That's okay. So, as I was saying, when we first met, I was actually really careful about what I ate, and I stuck pretty much to a low carb diet. So we actually met, we went um, on a kind of a blind date because we met online. So we met up at a, a local restaurant and I ordered an appetizer that was low carb. 
and then I think I ate it all basically. But I do remember telling you at that point that I had Crohn's disease because I, I was pretty picky about what I was ordering. And so I stuck with a low carb appetizer and a glass of wine. And I think all I said was that I have digestive issues. And so I stayed away from a lot of foods. I don't even know if I said the word Crohn's. So do you, had you ever even heard of Crohn's at that point? Or what was kind of the first thought that went through your head when I first told you I was a picky eater? <laughs> I think at the start you just said you had, uh, I don't think you said Crohn's outright, but the impression I got was that there were just some foods that didn't agree with you. But by the end of the evening, I think you had mentioned Crohn's. Mm-hmm. But I had never heard of it, and so I Googled it, and I was just happy to find out it wasn't a mental issue (laughs) after the dating experience I had had prior. So uh, I didn't really know anything about it, hadn't heard anything about it, but uh, got kind of a first row seat Mm -hmm. after that of... um, what to expect and and what uh, what it entailed, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you were a fairly normal girl that didn't uh, seem crazy, so I was <laughs> I was willing to give anything a shot at that point. Willing to go for a second date. Exactly. Well, so looking back, as you were saying, so looking back from where we're at now and everything that you have been through with me, is there anything that you wish I would have told you about Crohn's disease? earlier on before all of the surprises that came thereafter? I don't know if there's anything I wish you would have told me. I mean, you know, if I were a terrible person that would <laughs> not date you because of, uh, you know, something pre-existing like that, I guess you could have told me more, but mm-hmm. nothing that, you know, um, you, you did a pretty good job of hiding it for a while <laughs> or sneaking away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, until you moved in, and of course then things are more difficult to hide, but there's still, you know, I don't think we go into minute detail about all the, that aspect of our lives. <laughs> no, but we do on this show. <laughs> hey, we'll talk about whatever you want to on the show. But. So, speaking of early on, I did end up having a flare somewhat shortly after we met, because we, we started dating in... February, and I remember it was probably only about six months or so, because as I mentioned, I was eating a pretty low-carb diet, and I was, I was doing pretty good. I was off medication at that point, and we, we did pretty good. I stuck to my diet basically Monday through Friday, but then we'd get together on the weekends, and that's when I started allowing myself a little a cheat meal, and we ate pizza, Papa John's, and their brookies every weekend. <laughs> So that kind of became our thing. And it was about six months of doing that that my body had had enough. And that was the first flare that I'd had with you. Um, so you mentioned I was I did a pretty good job of hiding it. I did try to hide it. But in hindsight, looking back, did I hide it very well? <laughs> well, I think we need to back up and define cheat meal because yeah. we would order a full pizza and a full brookie and some uh, cinnamon sticks. And then I would wake up at 2 a.m. <laughs> to see you sitting on the bed eating everything that was left. So cheat meal is a little bit of a euphemism. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, 
I mean, there wasn't anything really traumatic or, or you know, terrible. It was just uh, we'd be watching a show and I'd look over and you'd be gone again mm-hmm. and in the bathroom and that, you know, in a one-bedroom apartment, one-bathroom apartment. <laughs> Um, About 700 square feet. <laughs> so yeah, probably 700 square feet where, you know, as a normal person, every once in a while I would sneak out to go to the bathroom, <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm sure it wasn't uh, easy or, mm-hmm. or uh, I'm sure it was fairly nerve-wracking. It was nerve-wracking just because I was scared to death. So I was scared to death to tell you anything of what was going on, any details, because those were just very unladylike things that were happening in my mind, but... Looking back, I don't know how well I could have hit it. Is there anything? But but I really didn't want to tell you about all of the, the diarrhea, the extreme bloating, and the gas. And so I just I tried to hide it. Um, and so I don't know if, what would you say? Should I have just been up front and told you what was happening? And maybe asked you to just, hey, can you walk down the hallway for 10 minutes? <laughs> well, or the rest of the night? <laughs> gas is the most erotic of all the bodily functions. So, no, I don't, I don't think that there's, you know, every relationship is unique and has its own dynamics. And some couples are, you know, more open about that. Some don't talk about it as much. But mm-hmm. there, you know, there wasn't anything that... There was never a time where I felt like... I wish you were telling me more about it, but probably a lot of that too was just that you did a good job of kind of minimizing the um, effects of it. I don't know if, does the world know about your foot? (laughs) Uh, My foot? Yeah. I've maybe shared a little bit here and there. So the baseline has to be this coming from the girl that marched on a broken foot Mm -hmm. for what, years? Yeah, about three years. Yeah, so you, you don't always like to admit that you're broken or hurting or in pain and so I don't think it's outside your personality that you didn't really divulge a whole lot about this either. I think that goes along with a lot of I think a lot of my fellow cronies just fellow IBD warriors Crohn's and colitis patients I've met have pretty much exemplified that very same personality trait of you know, we smile on the outside, we hide all of the pain, and we just try to keep it all in. So I think it tends to be something that we all, maybe we all do, and I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but it definitely seems to be a common characteristic. Was a guy, the best thing to do is just ball it up and push it deep <laughs> down, real deep inside, and never talk about it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so I remember that... One during, I think it was that first flare. So at the time, I was eating a lot of raw milk, organic. I was doing a lot of fermented foods. And um, I was really trying to delay going back on medication because that was kind of my goal. I'd gone off. I wanted to stay off medication. But all that cheating and eating of the brookies and pizza really sent me into a tailspin. So since I am so stubborn... I tried really hard to not go back on medication immediately, and I'm sure you remember when I purchased the Atkins Vita Nutrient Solution, <laughs> and my solution at that point was to give this a try for about 30 days. I think I ended up spending about $500 a month on supplements mm-hmm. and probably had about 50 pills I was taking trying to avoid going back to the doctor and getting medication. So what was 
what were you really thinking when I started going down that path instead of just going to the doctor? Um, you know, there's a fine line. I think there are, I'm a forensic investigator, mm-hmm. so science is my language. Mm-hmm. And if there's not a double-blind study behind it, I'm skeptical because it's my, <laughs> it's my nature and it's also my profession to be skeptical. However, um, I think that there are things that work and, and uh, just because everything doesn't have a double-blind test does not mean that it can be effective. And especially with the human body being so complex, what might work for one person doesn't work for the next. And so um, I definitely became more uh, accepting of mm-hmm certain, you know, supplements and dietary plans and things like that, because I did see over the course of our time together, I have seen things that worked. Mm -hmm. And there was a time even when I thought, you know, maybe it's not exactly what you're eating, but if you just radically change it every three months, so your body doesn't know what's coming, (laughs) maybe that's the way to keep the Crohn's at bay. But, you know, um, I guess I'm pretty easy going. If you want to take so many supplements that there's no room left for food in your stomach, you know, then then go for it if it works. But uh, there were some things that I was like, "Eh, I don't know that this is going to work, but then others that probably have uh, some some legitimacy. And obviously, anytime you can be completely off medication, that's a good thing. Yeah. I think life is a guessing game. (laughs) So maybe my next diet to radically change things, I should just do a chocolate chip cookie diet. For well, about I, three months. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't want to not be supportive. So. <laughs> you do that one with me? I'll do, I'll do whatever you... You know what? I'll do a trial program <laughs> and I'll throw some brownies and ice cream in there. See how it goes. Yeah. So I think I've definitely put you through some adventures over the last four and a half years with regards to groans. We had uh, been dating probably less than a year and... I called you one day because I was at home, I just drove home, and it literally felt like my intestine had just ripped in half. And the pain was so excruciating that it just, my legs buckled and I fell to the floor. And it it just, the only way I can describe it is it felt like my intestine ripped in half. So instead of going to the hospital, (laughs) I called you and I got you on the phone and I think I basically told you, all right, (laughs) I think I might be dying. So if I suddenly go quiet on the line, would you please be the one to call 911 and send an ambulance? So what was going through your mind when I did that? Well, I would never do something like that myself, (laughs) first of all. I go to the hospital at the first sign of trouble. Really? (laughs) Absolutely. So, no, um, you're talking to the guy that had an eye swollen up at least twice its normal size, who didn't call the hospital and called you instead and said, oh, I might go to the doctor tomorrow. <laughs> and then we ended up in the ER that night and didn't even have to wait because they saw me and immediately admitted me. So I'm probably not the best baseline of whether or not that was a rational mm-hmm. action. Um, Touche. And I'll jump in for those listening, wondering what's going on with Jeff's eye. So that happened... Two years now? A year and a half? Two years ago, April of actually late March of 2015, Mm -hmm. I 
Um, basically probably had a ret partially detached retina or an embolism in my eye. I was given an injection in my eye and that created a pathway for MRSA, which eventually uh, killed my eye and I was probably, the doctors estimate, two days from being dead as the MRSA infection reached my brain. And so instead I spent 10 days in the hospital on a dozen antibiotics with four IVs in me. And um, another year after that, getting to the point where I felt human again. But uh, that's the short version of now I have one eye. So mm -hmm. um, so neither one of us are good about going to the doctor. No, but we're better, <laughs> better with time. But I think that, too, you had done such a good job of hiding a lot of it and minimizing mm -hmm. your symptoms that um, I probably didn't realize the gravity of that beyond okay, you're in pain right now, and, um, you know, if something happens, we'll, we'll get you to the doctor. But, you know, um, probably it was pretty consistent with just the, your, your pattern of not really sharing or not really uh, representing how big of, an, of a factor that was in your life. Yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of a fine line that those of us with Crohn's and colitis tend to walk because on the one hand, we don't want to look like we're in pain and we don't want to always be negative and complaining all the time. So we tend to keep a lot of that inside. But I think it really does highlight an important point of just how how important and critical it is that we do open up a little more and share a little more, especially with those that are close to us, so that people do understand that it really is a serious disease, that it's not just, just you know, oh, I'm uncomfortable because I ate too much or now I'm Thanksgiving stuffed or having IBS. So I think we do have to be a little bit better about opening up and sharing a little bit more, especially with those close to us. Well, it certainly wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have been ordering pizza and extra spicy wings every weekend <laughs> for takeout had I known that uh, that was not a good thing for you. It's true. I didn't know how to... I didn't want to derail the, the good weekends we were having by turning down pizza. Uh -huh. <laughs> so other than that fun adventure I put you on... Um, it was probably not that long after because once I had that flare and I did eventually go to the doctor and I got put back on medication, but part of that process was also getting another colonoscopy, which at this point was pretty routine for me because I think when I first met you, I'd already had five or six perhaps. And so to go back on medication, I needed a driver as my fellow cronies know <laughs> you can't take yourself so I needed a driver and I asked I asked you to come with me and be my driver so I knew what to expect but you certainly didn't know what to expect and really in hindsight you'd probably never even researched what goes into a colonoscopy or what they're going to do or even had it on your mind but in hindsight, I could have better prepared you for that. So tell me a little bit about that experience. Well, I knew what to expect with a colonoscopy because my dad described it in intimate detail <laughs> after he had one. Far and more than you wish to hear. <laughs> yeah, so we weren't living together, so I, I didn't get to experience all the prep. And um, luckily, 
you know, now that I do experience the prep, we all have our own private bathrooms, but... Um, <laughs> We're but, not in the 700-square-foot apartment anymore. <laughs> yeah, I just bring your iPhone charger and, a, you know, a, a new glass of uh, grog every once in a while. Uh-huh. But no, I knew what to expect with a colonoscopy, um, but by this time I understood Crohn's more and I knew it was serious and I had been through some of the flares and all that. What you did not tell me... Mm-hmm. And what I learned from your uh, doctor who came out to give me an update is, um, paraphrasing, he said, everything is fine, she's out, the biopsy went great, and nobody told me there was a biopsy, <laughs> and that's not a normal part of a colonoscopy unless, uh, in, in a normal person, unless they see something that concerns them, such as... A, you know, a cancerous growth mm-hmm. or an abnormality. And so, and of course, they're doctors. And so I didn't get the, let's have a conversation. I got the, here's the information I have to give you. I'm going to turn around and walk back through that door that you can't go through. <laughs> Wait. So, so I got, oh, everything's great. She's fine. The biopsy was fine. We're going to get results back in a couple of weeks. And now you're going to sit here for an hour while she's in recovery until we let you go back. So I had an hour of what the hell is going on and why did they take a biopsy when some of us sitting here right now already knew about the biopsy. (laughs) So you could have told me a little bit more detail about what the procedure would entail. So good learning moment there for me and my other fellow cronies who might go through a similar situation to explain that the biopsies are normal. (laughs) that they like to check the tissues and send it off and check for disease activity and dysplasia and everything else they check for in us. So I apologize that you had a, an hour of serious contemplation. I'm over it by now. Which is <laughs> good. Well, continuing along our adventures, it was a couple years into dating. Still early on, though. We took... Uh, We thought it would be fun to go spend New Year's Eve in New York City. So we took a trip, and I was doing okay for a couple days, but then I started hurting so badly that everywhere we went, I just felt, you know, as people listening will understand, just that feeling of as if you swallowed a broken pane of glass or knives stabbing in your stomach everywhere, and I was hurting so badly, and we went with another couple, and... Everywhere we went, that couple was looking for pizza and donuts and treats. <laughs> Ice cream. Ice cream. And Jeff loves those things too, so he was on board <laughs> with all that junk. And there was one day, a few days into the trip, I finally decided I'd had enough and I couldn't take it. And all I wanted was just a grass-fed steak and I didn't want to have to watch people eat junk food that I knew was going to make me feel even worse than I did at that moment. So I found a restaurant on my phone while we were walking and then I chirped up and I said, I'm going to go eat here while you guys go somewhere else. What, uh, how did you feel when I did that? And what was it like for you, for me to be able to just say, I'm going over here. You guys do what you want. I know we're on vacation. But I've got to, I've got to do this. Well, it it would impact everybody differently. So, 
Louis C.K. has a funny bit about younger guys, and they, you know, he, he tells this joke about, what do I do? My girlfriend's mad at me. And his answer is, so what? Later she won't be. It's okay. <laughs> so I think had I been, you know, younger, less, uh, um, less life experience, it probably would have impacted me differently. The, you know, I probably would have gone with you, but the place we were going to was the most famous bagel shop in the city. <laughs> But there was a bagel. <laughs> and, well, and I had been jonesing for bagel with lox and cream cheese for like the entire time we were there. Mm -hmm. And all they wanted to do was eat pizza out of, you know, the street vendors, which was not great. I mean, they, they weren't going to the great, you know, like the, I mean, it was pizza. But mm -hmm. to me, pizza is pizza after you've had like a Chicago pizza. So the New York pizza didn't really do it for me. But the bagels did. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think there's a it's it's a struggle for me because there's a fine line between you know we're our own people and I'm still going to enjoy my life and mm -hmm. things that maybe you can't have. But I also want to be sensitive to not like rubbing it in your face. So it, it's always a tough, um, it, it's a fine line. I feel guilty if I'm having a dessert and we're out because I know you would love a dessert. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, um, I'm not, you know, a complete jerk. So <laughs> I'm not going to feel terribly guilty about it, but I am going to still feel a little guilty. So, you know, it was um, obviously those vacations and those things you want to share and experience together. But it just becomes about different things. Whereas a lot of couples, the couple we went with being a, a good example, a lot of couples really, uh, a lot of their lives focus around a shared experience of food. Whereas our life has become um, a lot of times not cooking a meal together, but cooking a meal next to each other. <laughs> and it's a separate meal or it's a different meal sometimes, but we're eating at the same time and we're eating together, but we're not eating the same meal. And, you know, when we do eat the same meal, it's me eating the things that are on your accepted list, mm -hmm. not vice versa. So, uh, you know, it's it's just if you if you were to get mired down in the optics of that or the psychology of that, it might upset you. Mm -hmm. And certainly the long combination of, of two people would make that really tough. But, you know, I, I think to myself once in a while, I, yeah, it's okay to be a little bit of a jerk and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat this in front of you and, and <laughs> you know, I'm just going to deal with the, the feeling of guilt and then other times of trying to be sensitive to it. Well, and I think we've done a really good job of navigating that together, so to speak, just because on the flip side, I don't want you to miss out on having a dessert at a fancy restaurant that we go to or eating something that you want to enjoy that I can't. So you've been really awesome in that sense of just there's limited food that you'll bring into the house. And so you don't you don't cook chocolate chip cookies in front of me. <laughs> And, and so most of those times are reserved for when we do go out to eat, maybe that's when you'll have a dessert. And I usually end up encouraging you to have it because I have become comfortable with the fact that 
I feel really good when I don't eat the junk food. And so I've learned to avoid that for myself, but I also recognize that you should be able to enjoy some of those things in life and, and not have to feel guilty for doing that. So I think we've learned to navigate that well. And, and I, I love just that you appreciate the fact that I can walk away and go have a grass-fed steak and eggs for brunch while you have a bagel, but then we can come back together for the rest of the vacation and everybody's happy and we have a good time. So it's a different perspective like you mentioned, that we probably get with age, but we have kind of navigated that well. For the record, I haven't had a marble slab cone since 2008. <laughs> just, we need to get that out there. What but time of day was that? <laughs> it was lunchtime, and it was over on the northwest side of town. It was a nice spring day. Uh-huh. I don't really remember that much about it. I've got sweet cream and strawberry ice cream and a chocolate cone. Uh-huh. But... I digress. No, I don't, I, you know, I am, and I travel a lot for work, so I try to do a good, you know, most of my meals on the road, I travel in an RV, so I have always boiled eggs and cheese and meat, and I try to follow a fairly keto diet when I'm out of town, but at least once a week I'll have something like a, uh, I had a, the first dipped cone from Dairy Queen that I had had in probably five years this week. but uh, <laughs> You didn't tell me about that. <laughs> yes, I did. Because she gave it to me for free. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't try to rub it in your face, and I, I certainly wouldn't bake cookies at home or, or you yeah. know, do caramelized nuts or something at home. But uh, I, I sneak in enough, you know, once a week cheat meal to keep me somewhat placated. I've turned you into a closet sweets eater. I feel like I have kids sometimes, you know, like uh, you gotta uh, hide the good stuff. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, how many how many parents do you hear talking about hiding a bag of M and M's and and packing it down before they get home and the kids find it? But but uh, no. And then the other thing is, you know, um, once I open a good bottle of Bordeaux, it it really kind of gets you in a in a mood where you don't really care as much so <laughs> i don't care about the donuts at that point <laughs> exactly good bottle of bordeaux fixes everything it does so we definitely survived the early years and then fast forward to today for the most part i've been doing pretty good it's been four and a half years that we've been together and i've done pretty well but i still have some bad days so there's still lots of good days but there's still plenty of bad days in there and and when the symptoms do seem to pop up, I tend to get, I get moody, I get depressed, I get angry. And I think a lot of my fellow Crohn's warriors will understand and relate to that, of, especially when you're doing so well. And then you suddenly, you feel like you've taken two steps forward and 20 steps backwards. So I try not to show how frustrated I am but a lot of times I can't help it and it just comes out and I do try to tell you that I'm not frustrated or mad at you but I know that it's hard to be with someone who's in a mood or having mood swings so tell me a little bit about what the times like that are for you when I'm getting moody and frustrated because Crohn's is coming back and what is it that I can do to help to help you know that 
It's not you, it's me. <laughs> well, I don't accept the premise of your question because <laughs> for a normal female, you're like on a, about a one on a on a one to ten scale <laughs> as far as as you know just everyday moodiness and and you know stereotypical female emotions. Mm-hmm. So uh, our running joke is that she's actually not human, but. I'm thankful for whatever planet she came from because <laughs> we work well. But, you know, it's it's like Can't anything reveal. else. I've had bad days. You know, I, I've come home frustrated and been kind of moody. And, and but, but the thing is, after all that, you know, we're having both been in failed relationships in the past. We're very cognizant of that. And so we always, I think, do a good job of, saying, you know, I'm not mad at you, this is what it is, and I'm sorry, but I'll be pissy for an hour, and then I'll be fine, so it's, uh, you know, it's, I think it's more just a feeling of, of uh, frustration of not being able to do anything um, to fix that, you know, when, mm-hmm. when I lost my eye, pretty much knew what the cause was, and it was resolved, and, you know, now I got a piece of sea coral in my eye, mm-hmm. and, but, you know, it's still, it's an easily explainable thing. Uh, there was a cause, there was an effect, you know, now other than running into a couple walls or, or being surprised by a waitress that comes up on my right side, it really doesn't impact daily life as much as you might think, but... You know, Crohn's is one of those things like, um, you know, it, it's like a vet with PTSD. You you may look normal, mm-hmm. but there's some really serious demons in there. And Crohn's is the same way. You're active. You're probably more limber than most, you know, college cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. And, and you're still, in, you know, you're in great shape. And you're always laughing and smiling. And so it's easy to forget kind of what's bubbling under the surface. So Mm -hmm. it's frustrating in that you're like, well, you know, you're working out and you're doing all this stuff. You you shouldn't have this problem, you know, like me with my mental disorder. (laughs) Same kind of deal. Exactly. (laughs) Uh But no, it's 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 just frustrating that I can't do anything, and I'm a fixer. Yeah. So anytime you have a problem, I just like to recommend a solution, and. Uh, short of replacing all of that with corningware, I don't really have a yeah. solution for for uh, for this. I think a lot of people tend to be. I know men definitely tend to be fixers. So for any female Crohn's patients that are listening to this with a male significant other, that's definitely a characteristic of men. They want to be able to fix things, and so recognize and appreciate when they do put in the effort to try to fix things even though it may be futile but on the flip side I think women because we're so empathetic that for men who have Crohn's and have a female spouse or partner I think the women are so empathetic that we too want to fix things and I know for you especially with your eye I just I wanted to be able to take away the pain and make you better or just if I could have it, you know, on me rather than you. So those are hard things to, to navigate in a way. We want to fix things. And with Crohn's, it's often not fixable, (laughs) at least permanently. Not yet. 
So even now, we've been together four and a half years, like I said, even now I still try to hide behind the proverbial curtain and I try not to tell you everything and go into too many details, even though you probably know what most of those details are by now, if, if not from me, then from Google. <laughs> so are there things that you wish I would be more open about or you taking the initiative to Google things or find out when I'm at the doctor and I do finally open up and spill the symptoms? Are there things you wish I would talk more about? I mean, only to the extent that if you want to share those with me, then then you should. If you feel like that, you know, you're handling it on your own. And, or, you know, you shouldn't be embarrassed to share that with me. But, but you know, it's like I said, every relationship has its own dynamic. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I think we always, you know, we do. There is that curtain a little bit of, of we don't um, share every aspect of, you know, mm -hmm. um, of that side of our relationship. So, and I'm fine with that. But if you, <laughs> but at the same time, if you want to share more, then mm -hmm. I'm certainly not going to shirk away. I mean, I've seen a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. So. This isn't. This is nothing. <laughs> if, you know, I mean, if, if your only purpose is you're proud of it, if you know, if I hear from the bathroom, hey, come take a look at this, <laughs> then, you know, that's probably not necessary. But uh -huh. if it's, oh, I think this is bad, can you come look at this? Then, you know, of course, I'll come look. <laughs> I mean, you squirted goop into my eye hole for, you know, every four hours for months, so... We've crossed some barriers that not many people That's have had right. to. <laughs> You've seen, you know, the eyes are the window to the skull, so. And if anyone's wondering what an eyeball looks like without an eyeball actually in it, it's very strange. It kind of looks like a mouth, like, and you can just see the inside of a mouth with the gums in the back. It's just an empty void. Well, I didn't see any of that, so <laughs> So as we get ready to wrap up, after everything we've been through and everything you've learned about IBD, whether from me or the internet machine, is there any advice or anything that you would tell a spouse of someone with IBD or someone who's listening, any advice on what to tell their spouse or partner and how to share that? Um, I don't have any, I think, specific advice mm -hmm. I think too often every, what I see in, in my friends and in my clients and in my employees is simply that people don't communicate either well enough or effectively or at all mm -hmm. and so I don't think there's you know um, I don't think there's anything unique to Crohn's that is a barrier other than you know being a um, and I like IBD in general is obviously, especially, you know, in America, we're kind of more, it's more of a taboo subject. Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, hey, I lost a toe. I mean, that's just weird, but, mm -hmm. but it's not, there's no stigma associated with it. So I think it's more just about communication in, in any aspect of life. You know, if, if, if you can't communicate, and if you can't talk about those things, then you're probably not going to have a very successful relationship. And at the same time, gauging that 
you know, that dynamic between those individual spouses or those individual couples. It's all going to be unique to that relationship. But honestly, I think that, you know, when I had questions, I went to, I went online and started looking around or I asked you mm-hmm. and, um, you know, like I said, the most, the most frustrating thing is just the not being able to, uh, do much about it or not knowing what, what is going to fix this, what food or what, uh, supplement or, you know, or what's going to cause a flare. Yeah. And so that's, that's the frustrating part, but it's just communicate. Well, you're definitely not alone in the frustrating part because that's probably the most frustrating part for me as well (laughs) is not knowing what food is going to cause or fix or what supplement or what medication is going to work or not work. So it's definitely frustrating all around. But just to prepare you, so I do have my seventh colonoscopy coming up on Tuesday. So Jeff's going to drive me. He now knows about the biopsies. <laughs> I do. I think we're we're prepared for that one. So. I also know where the Starbucks is at the VA now, so <laughs> I think we're set. Knows where to get coffee. So hopefully this has been fun and interesting and informative for you all to listen to, to hope to get the different perspective from what it's like to be a spouse of someone with IBD and maybe ways that you can communicate better and share a little bit more and open up that conversation because I know at least for me and I imagine for many of us with IBD it is hard to talk about and even though a lot of us out there are talking about it 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 can still be hard every time to talk about it so hopefully this has been entertaining a little bit and uh, enjoyable to listen to and thank you very much to my amazing husband Jeff for coming on and sharing some thoughts some questions that I've never asked him before so Thank you very much. Well, you're welcome. And just remember, if you're going to date online, (laughs) don't put it in your profile. But remember, go for the ones with no reserve. (laughs) That's how you got me, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you all for listening in. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member, that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at Crohn'sFitnessFood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at Food, or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.Crohn'sFitnessFood.com. And finally, remember... Be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.